Today we're talking about objections, objections to the faith. Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth with Mike Grimes. Hey, everybody. You ready to object, Mike? I'm ready to object. I'm feeling rather objectionable today. (laughs) Well, okay, if that's the case, then I have a question for you, Mike. And that question is, if you were not a Christian, what would your objection be? Um... I think I'd probably say your music's terrible. That's why. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good answer. I I think that that's fair. I think I would say it because I don't like a lot of Christians. That's what. <laughs> now, dear listeners, please don't send us emails and say no, you're supposed to don't. love everyone because I love all Christians. I just don't like all of them. Yeah, well. Right? Yeah, that happens. There are a lot of weird people in this world, and some of them are Christians, and I might be one of them. I I think there's two in this room. (laughs) Right? So maybe people don't like us, but I hope they love us because we are called to love one another. But a lot of... A lot of people who are Christians are, are just, I mean, they wouldn't normally be my friends. Sure. Yep. yep. It, it actually is something I enjoy about a Sunday morning, seeing all different kinds of people at church from all different kinds of backgrounds that I normally wouldn't hang out with. Yeah. It actually makes me happy. But yeah. if I were not a Christian, I might say, you know, God save me from your people or whatever the bumper <laughs> sticker says. <laughs> it's something like that. Oh, man. Oh. So today we're going to start a series. Okay. And it's going to yeah. be a series on objections to the faith. Yep. I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to talk about anything new. Sure. Right? It's kind of all the same, same thing you've heard over the years, but just maybe rehashed or re kind of worded or something like that. Yeah. It's just the same kind of stuff. But I think we should be aware of what the objections are yeah. because it's not that hard, A, to know what the objections are, and B, they just get re- rehashed, regurgitated, you know, lazy professors at your kid's university um, just pre- sure. preying yep. upon the naive yep. Yep. and that sort of thing. Uh, we do know that we cannot convert anyone, so it's not up to us. But why not know what the objections are so that we can address them, answer them. We know God does use means. Uh, ultimately, the spirit has to regenerate people. But to keep the conversation going and to talk about the gospel, we should know what the objections are. Yep, yep. We know most of our listeners are not pastors, but we do have many pastors who do listen. And so let me say to those of you who are pastors, if I may, as a fellow pastor, uh, these are the kind of things that you want to be aware of, and you can find creative ways to weave them in in and out of your sermons mm, Yeah, because you're constantly trying to help equip the congregation because they hear these kinds of objections. So that's what we're up to. That's what we're up to here on the Pactum. Yeah. So stay tuned for us today. Stay tuned today as we talk about everything from hypocrisy to God can't be true. There can't be Christianity because there's suffering in the world. We're going to talk about those kinds of things today. I think we have five on our list. Yeah, I think there's a handful. But there are more, and we might recommend some books that uh, get you thinking about this kind of stuff at the end. So let's start by saying, I'm not a Christian. I don't like Christianity, the unbeliever says. Yes. Um, Because... There are too many Christians who are bad people. (laughs) Bad bad Christians, right? Yeah. Right? Let's call it the bad Christian objection. Uh, People say, you know what? Christians are hypocrites. And so I don't want to join the hypocrites because I see so many Christians saying one thing and then doing another. Uh, That's what hypocrisy is. It's actually a word for acting. So they're not real. They're not authentic. They're not genuine. Um, And so, and history is filled with these kind of people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? Filled with people, yep. So we can point the finger and say there are all kinds of bad parents who are professing Christians, priests, pastors, denominations, even nations sure. um, who have done a lot of bad things in the name of Christ. Uh, and it's a, it's a bad look, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bad look. So how do we respond? 
Well, we respond and say, yeah, there are a lot of bad Christians. We're going to admit it? That, yeah, we're going to admit that. That's true. There are a lot of bad Christians and lots of bad things that are done in the name of Christianity. You are hearing it's Mike true. Grimes just Accurate. confess. Right. He's admitting <laughs> that there are Christians who are not perfect people. Yes, that so is the truth. I, that's the first thing I'm going to do when I talk to somebody, just to, to embrace it and step into yep. it. Uh, absolutely. There are lots of Christians who act poorly, who act badly, some tragically so, uh-huh. but that doesn't necessarily mean that Christianity is not true. Right. Because yes. the Bible e- itself even talks about people acting badly, right. even Christians acting badly. Yep. Uh, for example, we have discipline in 1 Corinthians 5. Christians aren't supposed to just get away with acting horrifically. They're supposed to actually be held accountable. Yes. But yeah. Even that passage has us seeing People who profess to believe in Jesus uh, don't always live live the way they should. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, we also, in the Bible, in biblical Christianity, we have a, a category for imposters. Hmm. Um, Judas is the classic example. Yep. He wasn't a very good Christian. No. <laughs> <laughs> because he wasn't a Christian. Yeah. Right? He was the son of perdition, the Bible says. But he attached himself to Christianity. He was yeah. a part of the mix. He was a part of the group. Uh, but he didn't legitimately actually authentically mm. <laughs> belong. <laughs> oh, and then also we would want to say that according to biblical Christianity, um, sometimes people don't know this seems strange, but the Bible teaches that everyone is sinful. Yes. Including Christians. Yeah. Right. So remember that, uh, dear listener, as you're talking to people who say, well, I can't believe in Christianity because Christians are so bad. Well, mm. actually we say that everyone is bad. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So Romans chapter three, verses 10 and following, uh, no one does good. No, not one. Uh, and then even Christians, the apostle Paul says of himself as a Christian, I'm the chief of sinners. Yep. Right. So in that sense, we're all hypocrites. Yes. Yep. I, so when somebody says, you're just a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of bad people doing whatever you want, sometimes, I mean, sounds bad, but join the club. Right. You know? There's room for one right? more. Come on over. I like to use that line because it allows you to maybe have a further conversation about what we actually think about sin. Right. Yeah. But to keep in mind that, as we're kind of saying here, that just because Christians are acting poorly or sinning or sinful or hypocrites, as we're saying, it doesn't negate Christianity. It doesn't change. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't remove the truth of the scriptures. It does not. And we're actually, we should, we're, we're, we're nuancing this. So right. we, we are saying there is only one perfect person. Yes. Uh, Christianity is ultimately about him. It's, yes. a, it's about Jesus, Jesus Christ, the righteous, Jesus Christ, the perfect obeyer. Yes. First John chapter two, verse one. Uh, but we, we, so we're saying we're all hypocrites. Everyone, even the best Christian. Yeah doesn't live consistently right. uh, with who Jesus is. So we, that's why we have a savior now, but we're not saying you should live however you want. Right. Not giving license and giving you the excuse. True. So come be a Christian. You can do whatever you want. It's not that at all. <laughs> no. Right. First Corinthians five is good on that. Right. But let's do acknowledge first and foremost, Christianity is about Christ. It's not about life transformation first and foremost, though mm-hmm. that does happen, but not perfectly in this life, and let's, let's let's remember texts like Second Corinthians four or five, where the Apostle Paul says, "We don't preach ourselves. Right? Yeah. We do not pro- proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord." So there's that. Uh, that's why he says, "Woe is me if I preach not the gospel." Mm, yeah. And so we're, Christianity shouldn't be about preaching self; it should be about preaching Christ because he's the only perfect Christian, if you will. Yes. If I can say it that way. Right. Yeah. So I think the church is to blame for some of this. Hmm. We've not yeah. had a very good PR campaign. No. 
<laughs> and so it's no wonder that people think Christianity is not true because of the hypocrisy, because we've been saying dumb things. We've mm, been saying yeah. dumb things like <laughs> live the gospel. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. Which no one can do other than Jesus, the good one. So yeah. st- please stop saying live the gospel. <laughs> You're just giving fuel to the fire of, the, of our opponents. Yep. Uh, yep. We should not say things like the Bible is the instruction manual for life. Mm-hmm. Now, is it the instruction manual for? Life? I mean, it's a lamp unto our feet. <laughs> okay, we we're gonna give. We're not gonna call that one dumb. Live the gospel is dumb. Yes, uh, it should be live in light of the gospel. That's, that's not that's not dumb. That's not dumb. No, that's good. <laughs> but the Bible, as the instruction manual for life, it it is true. It tells you what you need to know that God wants you to know for eternal life and, and godly living in that. But remember, the Bible first and foremost is not that. Yeah, The right. Bible first and foremost is a book about redemption yes. because you're not very good at living your life the way the, the Bible way says. Yes, yeah. So yeah. first and foremost, it's a book about Christ. Right, um, yes. Let's also, as Christians um, and Christian pastors, you know, just stop with the... Every every sermon is a how-to manual. I call them how-to homilies because it sounds worse. <laughs> how-to homily. <laughs> the Bible's not all about yeah, – every sermon shouldn't be a t- – you know, here are these timeless truths to live by, and yeah. basically it's life coaching. Yes. Instead of preaching the law, which shows us our sin and misery, then it shows us our need for Christ. We preach Christ, and then we show how we would do want to follow God's instruction now that we belong to him. Hmm. Sermon should be Christian in that sense. Yes. Uh, so it's no wonder maybe the unbeliever misunderstands because maybe they've heard too many evangelical sermons right. that don't have Christ <laughs> in them. Uh, so it's not just be a better Daniel, lead Daniel, lead like Joshua, mm. and those kinds of things. What we need to do is the church is sound more like the church yeah. to confess our sin because we have sin mm. uh, and our need for Christ. Um, we need to get back to basics, and maybe this objection wouldn't be so frequent. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right? right. Yeah, I remember the Sunday when I asked everyone in the congregation to please raise your hand if you've sinned enough today already to deserve a place in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, I think I remember. You know, that. people kind of look around like, like "Well, raise my uh, hand, what I do?" <laughs> right? This is a theological test, but I do recall one person who. Um, just shook their head like no and crossed their arms like, yep. for sure not me. Never. And I thought, well, hmm, if the standard is love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself personally, perfectly, and perpetually, right. uh, we, we, all, have to raise we, we better put our hands up. <laughs> right. Uh, so we, we need to remember that and we need to preach Christ and preach the clarity about uh, preach with clarity about sin and our own guiltiness. Uh, we also need to discipline and not, mm, you know, yeah. let people get away with utter unchecked hypocrisy. Right. Uh, and maybe we would be able to do a better job of not having this be such an objection. Number one on our list. And maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah. I think I've heard that objection more than any other. I, I really do. Yep. For sure. Okay, let's move on to another objection here. Objections of Christianity we're running through here on this new series. This one is oppression. Christianity is oppressive. It is the oppression objection. That sounds like some kind of weird class or manual or pamphlet or something. Yeah, it does. We like to talk about oppression we do. in the 21st we love century. To talk that about is sure. In response, we would want to say that plant, it's sort of like we've been already discussing. Um, Plenty of Christians have done bad things, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, but that doesn't mean Christianity is oppressive by necessity. Um, we're going to say, no, it is actually is not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says a lot about freedom, true freedom. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say the only way, maybe that's why they think it's oppressive. Right, yeah. Because we're using words like only. But the way to experience true freedom, freedom from the ultimate tyrant, which is sin, Hmm. uh, would be to trust in Christ where we find no oppression whatsoever. We find actual freedom. Hmm. John chapter 8 says this, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, this is John 8, 34 and following, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Hmm. So that's that's ultimate oppression. Yeah, there's your oppression. And right we've there, all yeah. we've all been oppressed. Right. So hey, there's that. Hey, that's a good lead in <laughs> for our current culture. Yes. And then it goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, meaning himself, the son, you will be free indeed. If you're set free by faith in the son, by trusting in the son, that means you've been forgiven. It means you've been set free from the penalty of sin, the power of sin. You're not enslaved to it any longer. There's freedom. Ultimately, you will be set free from the presence of sin. Uh, That's where true freedom is found. And so people are looking to be liberated. They're looking to be set free. Well, ultimate liberation comes, ultimate freedom comes from being united to Christ by faith. Uh, So it's actually the opposite of oppressive. Um, So let's keep that in mind. And the wonderful thing about biblical Christianity, again, I want to say it that way, biblical Christianity or authentic Christianity, Mm. not some kind of faker McFakerville version, pseudo-Christianity. If we're united to Christ by faith, we're actually equals. Mm. And so that's why we have these great declarations, and there's so many of them in the Bible, like Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, mm. so regardless of your age, regardless of your former religion, regardless of your uh, your sex or anything like that, if anyone is in Christ, united to Christ by faith, he is a new creation. Mm. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come. So it's it's a wonderful, great freeing kind of reality because there's actual equality. There's actual equity, if you will, Hmm. by having faith in Christ. So now it is true. Christianity has laws. Uh, It has plenty of laws. And so somebody's going to say, well, that's oppressive. (sighs) (laughs) Well, um, the law of gravity is oppressive too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but things work really, you know, much better for you if you pay attention to the law of gravity. Uh, life is going to go better for you. It is, yeah. So that's just the way the world is made. And so we're made in a certain way. We're made to function better and things will go better for us yeah. if we follow the creator's laws. And so Christianity has laws. And guess where you will have human flourishing and greater happiness? Yes, it's going to be if you follow God's basic laws, the way he's, right. the way he's made the world. Yep. Uh, and we're going to have a lot less pain and we're going to have a lot less actual oppression <laughs> if we follow God's laws. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. Is it, this, is, it the, is it at this place in the show, Mike, where we talk about Marxism? We could. We sure could because, you know, we, as we mentioned, oppress, <laughs> oppressive things are all the rage these days because you've got the oppressors and the oppressed. People right? love them some Marxism, we and it shows it. that they don't know history very well. Uh, but right now, Mar- it's all about the Marxist hot takes. Oh, and for so sure. whether you know that's the source or not, it's super trendy. And uh, we have the oppressed, and we have the oppressor, the oppressors. And so what needs to happen is everyone who's oppressed by the oppressors needs to do anything and everything possible to overthrow the oppressors. Mm-hmm. 
or oppressors, however you'd like to say it. I hope that didn't trigger you. I hope you don't feel <laughs> oppressed by the way I say things. <laughs> but we need to keep this in mind, and it's 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 a ruse. It's um, yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's not helpful. What ends up happening again and again, whenever this philosophy is promoted, this ungodly philosophy it's well we can have utopia we can have you know ultimate heaven now if you will if we just get the right people in power Mm. Uh, and typically the right people are us yeah so (laughs) if we can be in charge then there will no longer be any oppression what and what happens is when those people who say they're the oppressed and then they overthrow the oppressors then they're in charge and guess what happens it doesn't go well. <laughs> the cure is oftentimes worse than the disease. Yes. And now they're the new oppressors. Yes, they are. So what we need to do is respond to this kind of trendy oppression kind of thing and say, okay, it's true. Oppression is bad. You can be set free in Christ um, in the here and now, but ultimately you're going to be set free from oppression uh, by trusting in Christ. But we have to wait for his return hmm. for a quote unquote utopia to happen. Yes. It's not going to happen until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Turns. The ultimate way to escape this is not by having another sinner be in charge. Right. Yes. Uh, sinners are in charge. We want them to be held in check. Uh, but let's not be duped into thinking that anyone on planet Earth currently is going to be the one we want to have in charge to get rid of oppression. Uh, let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, but let's look to Christ where true freedom is found. His laws are good. They're kind, they're generous, they're what's best for us. Uh, And let's just know that people are going to think that Christianity is oppressive because they want to do whatever they want to do. Right. But in reality, when they do whatever they want to do, it doesn't go well. Nope, it doesn't. And and then they put their right person in charge or they're in charge and it doesn't go well there either. Yeah. So the ultimate way around oppression is to follow God's perfect laws, but we don't do that well. Right. And right. then we're oppressed by sin. And so ultimately it's, it's in Christ we have freedom, which is freedom indeed. And it's amazing how many people become Christians and now all of a sudden my life actually is better. Yeah. And isn't, isn't it good to follow the laws, um, not for our salvation, but because of it. Yeah. Okay, moving on to a third Objection to Christianity. We've got hypocrisy. We've got a, it's Christianity is oppressive. Now we're going to talk about scholarship. Are we talking about money here? Money? Money, money, money. <laughs> I was going to say, I got a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what stand up ad I have uh, no act idea. that's from, but I don't know. <laughs> Hang in there. Keep listening to scholarship, us. Scholarship. Stay tuned. Oh, scholarship. This is, you know, it's like the white coat phenomenon. Yes. So with doctors, if somebody has a white coat on, they can tell you to go eat sand. (laughs) And somehow, you know, it makes your eyesight better (laughs) or something like this. So it is true. There are scholars who say Christianity is not true. Yes. But there are also scholars who say Christianity is true. And here we are. Mike, did you know? That uh, according to scholarship, and this is in the British Medical Journal, uh, that sword swallowers are more likely to be injured when they're distracted. Oh, for real? Yeah. That that kind of <laughs> sounds obvious. <laughs> it's amazing what you can you know write a scholarly paper about. Or there's a, there's scholarly funding. papers about this. Uh, I mean, it seems true. to me like I'm going to say, "Hey, I'm going to swallow a sword. Can you distract me, please?" Uh huh. <laughs> you're more likely to be injured if you're distracted. But we know this to be true because of scholarship. And because of scholarship. I'm so glad. <gasps> oh boy! Sometimes <laughs> the things we think of. So sometimes scholars tell us things that make sense and are true. Sometimes obviously so, like if you're going to be a sword swallower, (laughs) 
<laughs> you're more likely to get hurt if you're distracted. <laughs> but sometimes scholarship is just silly. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes it's just a silly thing. I also read some scholarship this week. Oh, boy. <laughs> that in the Journal of Ergonomics, um, they published something called The Impact of Wet Underwear on, <laughs> thermo, on Thermoregulatory Responses and Thermal <laughs> Comfort in the Cold. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you so, know, we we needed scholars to tell uh, us something about if your underwear are wet and you're in cold conditions. It's not going to be it's good. It's not going to so, be good. So if you live in Nebraska and you got wet underwear, <laughs> it's going to be a bad day. <laughs> oh, boy. I had a little bit of fun doing some research oh, I in bet preparation you did. for this. So. That's, that's, from, that's for real. You've got to be a scholar to figure that out. Oh, man. So let's just remember that scholarship <sighs> is important, but scholarship can be silly. Mm. It seems like we have too much free time on our hands. Oh, for sure. And uh, But let's also, in all seriousness, remember that scholarship can be biased. Yes. And uh, it's oftentimes biased when it comes to scholars who are attacking Christianity. Yeah. And we see that a lot at you know, the holiday times, right? Christmas, Easter... <laughs> Every, you, you, every, every time. single time. Yeah, you're in the checkout line, and you're going to see all the articles, all the headlines. At the local the grocer. At the, yes, the local grocer, <laughs> as some like to say. <laughs> but you see all the articles, all the headlines, all the magazines telling us all the ways that they can prove that Jesus did, in fact, not rise from the dead, or that the Bible is not, in fact, true. I mean, as, a, as a new Christian, yeah. I would always get sucked in. Oh, for right? sure. There's, like, the ti- there's the Time magazine or whatever, and, and I was pretty well grounded, but I would, I would always have to buy it. I, was oh, always, yeah. I yeah. would always have to read it. Scholars prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead because there's no body at the scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> okay, um, this is kind of silly. Yeah. Um, Jesus wasn't born in a stable, as all the nativity scenes show. He was born in a cave instead. Okay, well, right. guess what? Sometimes uh, people put animals in caves to keep them from running away, and you don't have to build a fence. I mean, yeah. it's just like, really? Um, but it's important to know this kind of stuff and just to be aware because so many times university campus, it's like all of the gullible kids who are there or they just want to grade. They don't really want to engage their minds. It happened to me when I was a university student, and yeah. it's like they discount Christianity for dumb reasons. Yeah, right. Uh, So it's in the name of scholarship because scholars even study the effects of wet underwear in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Smart people said so. Uh And a lot of it's rehashed. A lot of it's even um, disproven in time. So I remember having um, roommates who are friends who would take classes. You know, I'm going to take a Christianity class or religion class and only to find out that, you know, uh, Moses didn't write the Pentateuch. It's J-E-P-D or J-E-D-P. And well, we know that all these different authors wrote it because there are different linguistic styles. Mm. It just ends up being like dumb. And even some of the liberal scholars move on and say, you know what? That that was a pretty dumb argument. Yeah, that one didn't work. But they keep getting rehashed. Sure. Yep. And so I remember, remember when I was in seminary, uh, there was a New Testament, German, German New Testament scholar named Etta Linneman. And uh, she basically was writing books. Um, really, they were theologically liberal, undercutting the authenticity of the New Testament. Hmm. And so um, it's called Markian Priority. We know Mark wrote first because Mark had the shortest gospel and there's no way the other people could have said what they said without Mark and hmm. some other made-up yeah. document that we've never had before. No manuscript evidence, but we're going to call it Q. And uh, it's the just Q, speculation, yeah. speculation. Well, only for her to later say, you know what? I had a theological agenda. <laughs> um, that was not scholarship. That was not objectivity. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to write some books to say you guys should stop believing this stuff. 
but they kept promoting it. They kept believing. Oh, sure. So the other big one was the Jesus seminar. Hmm. So I'm not going to take the time to read from it now, but um, just the Jesus seminar stuff. I mean, what a joke. Hmm. Big in the 80s, big in the 90s. These are published, quote unquote, scholars. And so we're going to decide what Jesus said and what he didn't say. Right. Okay. How are we going to decide? Well, oh, first of all, what we're going to do is we're going to use, you know, colored beads. So we're scholars um, (laughs) who like to play with marbles. And so we've got different colored beads and we're going to vote with our beads. And uh, so, hmm, Jesus said, uh, you know, be nice. I'm just being silly here. Jesus is love. Oh, he definitely said that because because we think that's a good thing for him to say because we're (laughs) theological leftists. And, but Jesus, you know, he talked about hell and we know for sure he didn't say that because Jesus wouldn't say that. It's like, (laughs) and people like lap it up. And somehow even now it's still regurgitated and affirmed. Well, scholars have disproven Christianity. (sighs) Boy. Right. We're going to talk more about this when we talk about the objection against the legitimacy of the Bible. Yes. Yeah. We'll get around to that. Yeah. And we'll talk about people probably like Bart Ehrman. Yep. And uh, later. But for now, just just because a scholar says something uh, doesn't mean, can we, do we say squat? On the path, we can say that it doesn't mean squat. It means squat. Uh, this is something I've had to try to help my kids even learn. Yeah. You know? Oh, for oh, sure. Oh, Dad, you have a doctorate, so you know. Yeah, uh, you guess what, kids? <laughs> <laughs> Doctorates are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Um, and so that it doesn't mean anything other than maybe you did some research and did some hard work and know how to create paragraphs yeah. <laughs> with syntax, <laughs> and even that's questionable. So we we have to rem- help people to understand just because it's published in a book. Uh, doesn't mean anything, even by a major publisher, doesn't mean anything just because you saw them on CNN doesn't mean anything right. or MSNBC or Fox news or whatever. Yeah. Oh, there's a documentary that proves that there were other gospels. <gasps> Guess what? We knew there were other gospels all along. Right. Um, and there's a reason why they're not in the Bible. Right. We'll, yes. We'll talk more about that, yep. but I got to get it off my chest. Man, that got your dander up a little bit. Scholarship. I'm, scholarship. All right. There's a lot of bad scholarship <laughs> out there and thankfully there's good scholarship as well. Yes, there is. Okay. Moving on to a fourth objection. We've got a couple more. We're going to work our way through here. Uh, This one, many religions. The many religions religions objection. objection. Because you know what? They're all basically teaching the same thing. You know, you got to follow the golden rule. What is the golden rule? Do do to others as you would have them do unto you. Oh, okay. I thought it was a Christian insurance program. (laughs) It might be. I think it is. (laughs) I think there is golden rule insurance. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, but... We would. There's a lot of ways to to tackle this one, but maybe for this episode, we'll just say it's not true. So yeah. many there are many religions out there. They all teach basically the same thing. And how could we have Jesus? You know, Jesus is one one among numerous. Yep. One among many, uh, and usually not always, but usually he's you know portrayed as you know all like all the other ones. Mm, yeah. Now, if I were going to be an atheist, I would probably be very against Jesus and I wouldn't have him be like all of the other religions Mm. because I know better. Sure. But interestingly enough, uh, oftentimes when people say, well, you know, Judaism is the same and Islam is the same and Christianity is the same and Hinduism is the same. They're all just trying to have, you know, do unto others as you would want done unto you, uh, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, Jesus is incompatible with that. No. Yeah. And he's incompatible with the other religions and uh, so just know that oftentimes the objection is they're all basically the same. Um, actually, Christianity alone stands out. It's the unique one. Hmm. I mean, talk about 
the crazy religion, if you will. Oh, sure, yeah. The religion that says God requires absolute perfection of everyone, yep. and apart from absolute perfection, it's you know spiritual insurrection, uh, yeah. punishable by condemnation. Right. So everybody is a sinner. Everybody deserve, deserves to go to hell. You can't do enough charity right. to ever get out. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It's okay. Like, that is not like other religions. No. Yeah. Um, it's not at all. And then Christianity alone says there's one way and it's through absolute perfect obedience by a representative. It comes to you freely by grace alone, through faith alone. It's like, wow. I mean, I'm going to give I'm even as an outsider, I'd say I'm going to give Christianity marks for uniqueness. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, yeah, you don't find that in the other religions it's at all. Totally, utterly different. Now, sadly, Christianity portrays itself as something like the other ones. Yeah, right. And it's do more, try harder when yep. in fact it's not the case. Um, and if we if we allow Jesus to speak. What we don't have is pluralism. Yes, right. It's not one among many. Uh, To get that to happen, we actually can't have a Bible and we can't allow Jesus to say things. But Because when he speaks, what kind of things does he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if no there's, one comes oh, to the if Father there's any question what he means, me. yeah. he does the no one thing. Yeah. So this even goes back to our classic, you know, used to be the popular verse in America. It's not so much anymore. Um, now the popular verse is judge not lest you be judged. Yeah. 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 It used to be uh, John three sixteen. God loved the world in this way. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a literal rendering of that. Yeah. There's a certain way that God loved the world, not by sending this, that, or the other prophet of other religions. He loved the world in a specific way by sending his only begotten. Son, Son yeah. and so he, that's why Jesus says, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Acts four twelve would be another one by the Apostle Peter, and even the Great Commission. Oh, sure, yeah, right. You go and make disciples of all nations. Yep. It's not go and make disciples of certain kinds of nations, certain kinds of people, uh, Jewish people only. Right. It's Jews and Gentiles, and that would be every kind of person. That means every kind of religious background. Uh, so whether they're ancestor worshippers or well, there was there weren't Muslims then because that's a later religion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in theory, you get the idea. Yeah, right. So uh, Christianity is not like all the other religions. Hmm. Now, maybe there are some similarities because some other religions have a category for sin. Some don't. Some other religions have a category for some kind of sacrifice. Some don't. Yeah. And actually, that would make sense if God made the world in a certain way. Some of them steal from Christianity yep, yep. Um, and imitate it. But let's just make sure we dispel with this as a myth, this objection, uh, that there are so many religions and they're actually all the same. Or maybe we could even say, uh, and how can we know that Christianity is true or just like all the other ones or maybe worse? And we're going to get into that in the days ahead when we talk about the resurrection, when we talk about Jesus speaking, when we talk about the legitimacy of the Bible that you can own and carry and you can have confidence in. But let's make sure that you understand um, as a good apologist, (laughs) uh, as a good Christian who wants to help other people, uh, Christianity is very, very different from the other religions, not like the other ones. And we have it on good authority. Yep. Should we do one more of these, Let's Mike? Let's do one more. Let's wrap it up here with suffering. It's a big one. This it, is a big one. I think I would put this either on our... This could be number one. It could be. Yep. Or our number one could be number one. Yes. But we could. wanted to end on a high note. There so you this go. this is our number five. Yeah. So suffering. Uh, Christianity, there's no way it could even be possibly true because of all the suffering, all the injustice in the world. 
I've heard this one plenty. Have I, you? Yes, I was going to say this one easily is on par with hypocrisy, if not more than that. Yeah, if there were a, if there were a God, if there was a God, um, if Christianity were true, if it's the Christian God, there's no way He would allow all right. the suffering that happens in the world. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, now we have sober faces on because the reality is suffering is huge. Yeah. Uh, it comes in all different forms. Uh, I think we could probably include injustice because it re- it brings about suffering. Sure, yeah. It brings about oppression. To go back to that other point that we made, and I would venture to say that the suffering, we're, the the suffering in the world, is probably even worse than we could imagine. Uh, yeah, I think um, so. Especially where we live. Uh, right now, um, just all of the crime and all of the disease and the famine and the war and the abuse and wrong done to children and family members by family members, mistreatment of the elderly, terrorism. I mean, this yeah. it's it's a downer. There's sure. there's so much bad in the world, so much evil in the world, so much suffering in the world. So we would respond by saying, "You're right. There's yeah. it, yep. it's probably worse than you even know." Hmm. Um, but what, what we would want to say then is to say, but you know what is unique about Christianity is we have an explanation, number one. Right, yes. That's a very reasonable, good explanation for the suffering. Yep. Uh, and number two, we also know what a reasonable, good, and fitting solution is. Yes, yes. We can make sense of these things. Yes. So I, I think that's really important for you to understand uh, as you're listening today. Uh, we have a good answer. We have a better answer than anyone I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and we also have a really good solution that's a reasonable solution. So we know why. Uh, and the why is because of sin and sin brings suffering. Sin brings death. Uh, let's acknowledge God said it would be a consequence. Yeah. So if there's going to be rebellion, if there's going to be a spiritual insurrection, um, there's going to be a consequence and we're living in light of the consequence. Right. Um, sin brings death and suffering is associated with death. So there's that. Uh, so why would God allow such bad things to happen to good people is the wrong declaration. Yes, it's right. the wrong question. You're right, right. And so we're going to say, hold on a second. Um, if there's been this insurrection, this spiritual rebellion, it's God's earth. He made it. Um, boy, why, why does any good happen? Why is there any yeah. human flourishing? God must be patient. Yeah. He must be merciful. Merciful, yeah. And showing his common grace to people. And then we know the solution. The solution ends up being uh, we, we have someone who stands in our place to pay the death penalty, the mm-hmm. ultimate suffering penalty. Um, we have Jesus Christ who loves us and gives himself up for us. Uh, he's raised from the dead yeah. uh, and he's raised uh, from the dead and he's raised as a substitute. And everyone who trusts in him, he says, is guaranteed resurrection. Sure. So Jesus said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes or trusts in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Hmm. Uh, we have that in First Corinthians 15 as well. Christianity is unique, not because we had Jesus, the good example, but because we have Jesus who conquers sin and its consequences. Mm. Uh, he, he drinks the cup of God's wrath yep. to the very end. The very end um, yeah. And so uh, we, we understand where suffering comes from. We also understand uh, how, how it can be solved. How about this? We, we as Christians would say uh, that death is an enemy. Yes. Yeah. Which is... I mean, here's where I get a little bit upset with the unreasonableness of people who uh, oppose Christianity because of suffering. And I don't want to be harsh or mean spirited here, but they, they, they say death is good. Hmm. 
I mean, more times mm-hmm. than not, not, not always, but 90 plus percent of the time. Well, this is just part of human development. Mm. This is Darwinian, you know, survival of the fittest. And you know what? Death is good because it brings progress. Uh, and I, I don't buy that for a second. And I don't think most people buy it if they stop to think about it. Oh, sure. No. So you have a loved one. You lose a child. You lose a parent. You lose a friend, a spouse. And then at that, at that funeral, you're not thinking, isn't Darwin great? Right. No. Yeah. Well, isn't this great? This is, no. Yeah. You, you know, uh, apart from faith in Christ, you know that death is what the Bible says. Death is an enemy. Mm. Um, but that enemy is overcome. First Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy to be, is destroyed, and it is death. And how is it destroyed? It's destroyed by the work of Christ. Yeah. But let's be clear. Um, our explanation, I would venture to say, is a lot better than the unbeliever's explanation. Oh, yeah. yeah. So suffering is good because it's part of death. <laughs> no. It is not good. So as a matter of fact, Christianity uniquely says suffering is bad. It's an enemy. Death is bad. It's an enemy. And let's, we, that's why we don't celebrate it. Right. Yeah. Uh, apart from philosophy class, apart from some other classroom. Actually, it's bad. And we know that Jesus Christ conquers it. Yes. There is resurrection hope, and it's not hope and hope. It's hope in a person. We're going to talk about the resurrection in the future on further installments of the series. Uh, but let's keep these things in mind. They're really important things. Maybe one more thing about suffering, and that would be, you know, how about the fact that an all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing God mm. um, can use suffering. Yes, it's a consequence for our rebellion as a human race, but he can use it for good. Uh, in fact, Romans 8 even talks about this, and he can use it for good in ways that we don't understand. Right, yes. Just because I don't understand how he's causing it all to work together for his glory and for our good, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not happening. Right, yes, yeah. There are a lot of things in life that Pat Abendroth doesn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't mean they're not good, right? Right. Yeah. All kinds of scientific experiments, all kinds of medicine, all kinds of technological advancements from yep. our computers to our phones. I don't understand them, but it doesn't mean I don't benefit from them. Sure. Yeah. So God is working and he's going to bring about ultimate good throughout all these things. But just because I don't understand doesn't mean I can sit in judgment of him and say, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Uh, we, we don't live that way in other ways. Yep. Mike, anything we can recommend? Any kind of books that maybe would whet people's appetite to kind of join us on this journey? On this journey talking of Talking about Christian objections? Yes, we've got a couple things we could recommend here. We have a book by Gregory Kokel called Tactics. It's a game plan. For discussing your Christian convictions. <laughs> I'm holding this up, for, Mike. I'm it holding right it up for Mike to see. I think it's at least a good book to kind of get people thinking as far as you're dialoguing with them. Yep. Uh, we also have yep. another one we've recommended on the yes, program we have. before. By Michael Kruger, we have Surviving Religion 101. It's one that he wrote uh, letters to a Christian student on keeping the faith in college. I believe he wrote it uh, for his daughter going off to school. Maybe. Yeah, so I think it relates to a lot of the things we're talking about. And yep. maybe another one I'll recommend uh, regarding just having conversations with people about Christ and Christianity, people who maybe are not believers uh, and have these kinds of objections. Oz Guinness has a book called Fool's Talk Hmm. that I thought was quite good, Recovering the Art of Christian Persuasion. So I I thought it was good because I'm always trying to think about having conversations with people who are different than than I am. Um, Again, 
some of these authors actually come from a different theological framework than we do. Some don't, some are on the same page, some are coming from a different place. Uh, so not full endorsements of everything they've ever sure. said yep. or written, yep. but I like having good conversations with unbelievers. I hope you do too, Pactum listeners, um, because God uses means. And obviously the only way faith is actually going to come is through hearing the gospel and by the work of the spirit. But it doesn't mean we can't have the conversation moving forward. It doesn't mean we can't uh, answer people's questions. So we would encourage you to be doing those kinds of things. Yep. Thanks for listening and joining us here on The Pactum. You can be in touch with us online, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you next time on The Pactum.